0: Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today we're going to be reading from the third Psalm. Very interesting. This is a Psalm of David. Very beautiful here. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. So if you like this version, that's great. If you do not, don't worry about it. Get a different translation. I actually came across a different translation the other day it's called the CEV which is called the Common English Version very beautiful very well written however it was very difficult to find a CEV Bible without it being a study guide and I'm just thinking I don't want a study guide I want God's holy word <laughs> you know I don't I don't I don't want to be told oh ask these questions of yourself I I don't need that Um, I don't need a lecture from somebody. When When I want to read God's holy word, that's all I want is I want to read God's holy word. So let's dive into this puppy here. Again, the third psalm, it is a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So King David went through a lot. It says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Salah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Salah. I laid me down and slept. I waked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Salah. I love this one. So let's take a look at this here. The first verse is talking about how he is definitely noticed and is very much aware that his enemies have increased. And it's getting really turbulent. But he's crying out to God. He's saying, hey, I've got this problem. And Here's the thing. God is already aware of our problems, but he wants to hear from us. So don't ever feel like you can't talk to God or kind of have that arrogant attitude that sometimes happens with people where it's like, well, God knows what's happening. Why doesn't he just fix it? That's not having faith. That's basically expecting to lay on a sofa and have God basically drop grapes in your mouth and not do any work in your life. That's not how this life is. It it just isn't. Goes on to say, many are they that rise up against me. Can you imagine How serious it must have been for King David to say, hey, I've got this issue. Many are rising up against me, and I'm really scared. That would be very concerning. What's very interesting here is that in the next verse, it says, there is no help for him in God, Salah. That's what these people are saying about him. They're saying, oh, God doesn't like you. God doesn't love you. There's no help for you. Don't ever believe the lies of your enemies. Don't ever believe that. And what's interesting about this word at the end of many verses here is the word Salah. That is Hebrew. And it means to pause, pray, and meditate. Like really just have peace and to think about what what God is saying to you personally. Basically, don't have a brain that is running 90 miles an hour. Because that's not sustainable. God wants you to have peace in your life. That's what the word Salah means. goes on to say, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Can you imagine what it would have been like for people back in the day to have read this, and they would have known exactly what King David was talking about when he said, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Basically, It means that yes, the enemy is going to attack you unless those, and yes, those slings and arrows are going to be flung at you and aimed at you, but God is your shield. Think about what a shield does. It protects you. It stops you from being harmed. That is a really important thing to remember. It doesn't mean that That basically people are all of a sudden going to like you and love you. That's not what it means to have a shield. It means you know darn well what situation you're in, and you need to have your shields up. What I love about that is it reminds me of Star Trek Voyager. I've mentioned this before in a previous podcast episode. I grew up watching Star Trek Voyager, and one of my favorite actors was Captain Catherine Janeway. Very interesting actress, very interesting woman that played that role. And I just loved it that she she was a woman in a man's job. I just loved that. Like as a little girl, I mean, I was like, man, that's awesome. Because I always wondered why women were not really seen as leaders. And women are leaders all the time. So with Star Trek Voyager, what I loved the most was whenever – they would be encountering an enemy or an unknown enemy, basically someone that they've never met before, but they don't really know what their intention is, right? So instead of attacking first, she would say shields up. So what shields up means is that your entire ship is protected. Your shields are up so that regardless of whether you get attacked or not, your ship, your vessel, is protected, So, this is what that's talking about here. You know, if you're kind of like a Star Trek, you know, enthusiast like I am on stuff like this. Basically, our Lord and our God, the God of Abraham, is our shield. And he says, shields up. I know for me personally, whenever I basically let my guard down, that's when the stupidest and meanest and most evil things happen in my life. I'm just like, why did I trust that person? Why did I let my guard down? I think sometimes we let our guard down because we get weak, or we are too trusting, or we're tired. We kind of get in this mindset, well, I'm sick of being tough. Well, grow up. Grow up. Also, give God a chance to protect you and defend you. You know, like For example, whenever Captain Catherine Janeway says, Shields Up, she's not going all over the ship putting up the shields herself. The ship is programmed to do that, but you have to give the order. That's what King David is doing here. He's saying, but thou, O Lord art a shield for me. That's basically David, King David saying, Lord shields up. (laughs) You're my shield. Let's do this. That's what he's saying. It says my glory and the lifter up of mine head. You know how I know when people are miserable They have their head down all the time because they don't have confidence or they're not happy or maybe they're depressed or maybe they're just frustrated. Lift up your head. Walk with confidence. Head up, shoulders back. Walk with confidence. I know what it's like to not feel confident. And the last thing you want to do is hold your head up high, have your shoulders back, and have to look people in the eye and have, I guess, Well, have courage in a way that, that you don't feel courageous. You know what I mean? Cause to me, it kind of feels like faking it. But here's the thing. You're not faking it if God be for you. Because if God be for you, who dare be against you? Like there are so many situations I personally have been in. I did not feel confident at all. I did not feel courageous at all, but I had my held up high. I held my head high and I had my shoulders back. Because I refuse to look weak, foolish, or stupid. Because I have looked like that in the past. Because I've been exhausted. I've been fearful. And I just could not afford to live that way anymore. I just could not. Because my God supplies all my needs. And if my God supplies all my needs, which he does, why would I be fearful and why would I hang my head low? Regardless of my situation, regardless of my circumstances, I refuse to hang my head low. So chin up, chin up. I think there's a phrase, chin up, buttercup. So just remember that your your situation is not as bad as you think it is. Just look at it this way. Um King David had it worse than most people on the planet. <laughs> so just don't ever give up, folks. Don't give up. I'm not saying your situation isn't important. It is. Very much so, but you know, I think sometimes we all find comfort whenever we meet someone who's been through way more than us and we go, "Oh, well, thank God I didn't go through that." <laughs> you know? But also I look at from the point of view, "Oh, I can learn from them because they've been through way more, way worse, and they survived and they got through it." That's how we need to look at things. Not from the point of view of, "Oh, well, thank God I didn't go through that." No, 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 no. We need to honor and respect those who have gone through way more and survived and are doing really well in life. We need to honor and respect that because it takes endurance. Very much so. Goes on to say, verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Salah. I find this to be very interesting. King David says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He cried. He cried and there are a couple other Psalms where King David says, my couch is soaked with my tears. So if you think men shouldn't cry, you're totally wrong. Men should cry, but they should cry unto the Lord. Crying is not a sign of weakness. Not at all. It actually is a form of emotional release. It's actually a stress reliever to let go of the pain. I find it very interesting that even King David cried and he shed tears in his lifetime. He didn't stay stuck there. But here's the thing. He directed his agony to God, not to himself. He directed it to God. See, I think it's very easy to get stuck in misery. I think it's very easy to live a pathetic life. And I don't mean that harshly. I say this out of love. It's easy to live a pathetic, weak-minded, victim kind of life. It's way better to live a good life, to have strength, endurance. That doesn't mean that your life will not have situations that upset you. It means that, oh, I got this because God's got this. I can get through this. I am not intimidated in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean that you won't ever have loss. It doesn't mean that you won't ever get upset. But when you direct those emotions and those feelings to God, as opposed to yourself or other people or HR or the Internet or TikTok, God will provide for you. But if you go to other people or to the Internet or whatever the case may be, they can't help you the same way that God can. God can part the Red Sea. So why would you go to other people to help you with things that really only your Heavenly Father can help you with? And he can help you no matter what. People people can't help you no matter what. Why? Because people are flawed and people are limited. And I don't mean that negatively. I just mean that, hey, this is a temporary life. You know, I think... What is the average lifespan? Like 70-something years for men and women? But we should all have a goal of living to be like at least 120. I want to live as long as possible. I want to see, first of all, what I look like. <laughs> I want to see if my eye cream has been working. Also, I want to live my life to the fullest. But that doesn't mean it's all going to be easy-peasy, just roses and cupcakes all the time. Where, where, where's the discipline in that? We have to be tough. We have to be tough. And here's the thing. You get your strength and your toughness from God, because I guarantee you, you cannot provide it for yourself. I've been there, done that. It sucks. And I've learned not to be disappointed in myself. So just basically suck it up and move on. I don't mean that negatively. I'm speaking from experience on this goes on to say, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. Have you ever gone to bed and just been like, I am so exhausted from the day? And you sleep through the night, and then then you wake up and think, I'm so glad I made it through the night. I'm so glad that I have a new day. The Lord sustained me. That's what King David is saying here. He's going through a very stressful time. It sucks. Excuse my language. It's horrible. But he knows that the Lord sustains him. Goes on to say, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. That's a pretty bold statement. Can you imagine how many people were attacking him, like soldiers were attacking him and his his family that actually believe in him and then his soldiers that were on his side? So he's not making this up. He's not... um, Intensifying it. He's not exaggerating this. There probably were ten thousands of people that hated him and wanted him dead because there were people that sided either with King David or his son Absalom. So I find it to be very interesting that he is speaking probably the opposite of what he feels, but he's speaking what he wants, not what he has. That's why he says, I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people that have set themselves against me round about. So he knows they're out there. He knows they're close, but he is choosing mentally, spiritually, and emotionally to not be afraid. That's why he's saying, I will not be afraid. That takes Gus to say that. Especially in the midst of a war and a battle. And wars and battles back then were extremely bloody. Extremely. They did not have the weaponization that we have today. And I'm not saying that our battles and um, warfare is not bloody. It is. But it was very barbaric back then. I mean, the tools and the techniques they used back then during biblical times were modern for their day. But when we look back in time and see how they fought, it was very gruesome. It was very gruesome to fight somebody because it was literally to the death. Piece by piece. So I think it's really interesting that he says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands. That's plural. Ten thousands of people. That have set themselves against me round about. If that's not faith, I don't know what is. He's getting his strength from the God of Abraham. Because he knows he can't do it by himself. He knows that. That is a smart leader. It's also a smart believer. To know they cannot do it on their own. But they're calling those things that be even though they currently are not. So, he's calling those things that are not as though they are. Why? Because he wants it to manifest. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. That's a lot of faith, folks. A lot. Goes on to say, arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. That is very blunt. He's saying, God, whoop up these people. Take them out. They're horrible. They're evil and I can't stand them. God will always smite your enemies. Your enemies will not prevail. Hold fast to that. Goes on to say, "Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly," and this is interesting because they did not have dentistry back then. But it, you know anyone reading this or hearing this, would know when when the God of Abraham breaks the teeth of the ungodly, he's taking them out, because to break someone's teeth is it's it's beyond an insult. It's like, hey, I own you, and I'm going to defeat you. This is why vengeance is the Lord's. It is not ours. God will vindicate you. God will protect you. God will bless you. All the days of your life. Goes on to say, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Salah. Excellent verse here. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Let's look at this from the opposite. What if the Bible had said, salvation does not belong unto the Lord. Then who does it belong to? It doesn't belong to the enemy. See, if you don't believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then what do you believe in? Where do you think salvation comes from? It does not come from the world. The world will chew you up and spit you out. And it's brutal. That's why this verse is so important. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. And guess what? He gives it to us, his children, his chosen ones. Goes on to say, thy blessing is upon thy people. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thy curse is upon thy people. God doesn't curse his people. People choose curse. People choose to go to hell. God doesn't send them to hell. People send themselves to hell. By what they believe in or what they don't believe in, how they behave, how they misbehave, their actions, their words, their deeds. All these things matter. We worship the God of Abraham and he is the God of blessing. And he gives us that choice. He gives us free will. And he always says, choose the blessing. Choose favor. Choose life. Choose heaven. Why people choose all this other stuff, I don't get it. The only thing I could think of, considering how I was raised in a really bad church, is that some people fall victim to, whether knowingly or unknowingly, to a cult mentality and to a bad theology. Like I remember the church I was raised in, which was Wrath of God God, Church of Christ, excuse me, and it was hell. I mean, it felt like hell on earth going to that church. I hated it as a little girl. I hated it. I couldn't wait to leave the building. Like if I could have spent all, like the, like the entire church service in the bathroom, I would have done so and I tried, <laughs> but it didn't work. So, you know, if, you, if that's all you're taught is you're no good, you're, you're lower than dirt, you're just a worm, what do you think in terms of your life, what kind of life decisions are you going to make if you don't have a very positive opinion of yourself or other people and you think God's just out to get you? Yet nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is out to get hey, nowhere in the Bible let me rephrase that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is out to get you unless you are an enemy of his people. But if you are one of God's children, And if you are a believer in Christ Jesus and you worship the God of Abraham, God's not smiting you. So if there's something funky or bad or not good going on in your life, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. That's when you need to turn to God like King David and say, Lord, help. Be my shield. Be my shield. All day, all night. All week, all month, all year. My entire lifetime, be my shield. And God will come for you. He he will protect you. He will answer your prayers. He will do as you wish. But if you're not a believer, good luck. If you're evil, hateful, um good luck with that. See, so you're saying God cannot reward bad people. This is why we are supposed to pray for our enemies because When you pray for your enemies or people that hurt you or harm you, that doesn't make you a doormat. It makes you a king or a queen in God's kingdom because you are a child of God. It means you have wisdom that God has given you because you're asking God to bless your enemies. And here's the thing. God can't bless an evil person. So in order for your enemy to be blessed, they have to repent. They have to be sorry. They have to ask for forgiveness, not only from God but from people they've hurt, if possible. The unrepentant will not prosper. And there may be some of you, and I'll close with this, there may be some of you that think, well, I know some people that are prosperous and they're pretty evil, they're pagan, they're heathen. I was like, well, you just answered your own question. The reason why they're rich and have money is because they're pagan and they're heathen. They're evil. The world loves its own. The world will always reward the ungodly. And I sigh because I see it all the time. But here's the thing. God rewards his people far more than this world ever could or can. So these people that think they have a lot, they don't have a fraction of what God can bless you with when you when you give your life to Christ and you start living a good holy lifestyle. And living a good, holy lifestyle is not boring. I mean, my life is far from dull. It's it's not um, it's not boring. It's not misery. It's not it's not frustrating like what you think it would be. There's so much joy and happiness in doing things God's way. Now, do I ever get frustrated and really irritated at times? Yes, but I give it to God. Like I draw a line in the sand. And I say, pump the brake. Why do I feel like this? And I just give whatever is bothering me to God. I just lift it up in prayer. That doesn't mean that I don't handle things in my own life. Because God gave us dominion over this planet, this solar system, this galaxy. So we have a responsibility to take dominion. That means to dominate. To subdue the earth. So we have the responsibility to do what's right. And again, if God before us, who dare be against us? So if you have enemies, look at it this way. Those are great seeds to sow into the kingdom. Because whatever is hurting you or bothering you or distressing you, those are great seeds to sow into the kingdom. And whatever the enemy does for your harm the lord will turn around for your good and and bless you a hundredfold don't waste seed turn those bad situations turn those bad feelings into seeds of greatness into seeds of joy and sow those things into the kingdom and you might be thinking well how do i do that just say lord I sow this irritating boss into the kingdom, and I thank you for a hundredfold return. And I forgive them, and I ask you to forgive them. Or let's say, hey, um, I sow my lousy car that I can't stand into the kingdom, and Lord, this is the car I want, and I thank you for answering my prayer, and I thank you for a hundredfold return. You're speaking it. You're speaking it. See, a lot of people think that sowing, and I used to think this way too, because I wasn't taught right, which... Is not pleasant and can be very disheartening, but here's the thing sewing isn't just about money, it's far greater than that. If you can sew finances, that's great, do so. But we can sew so many other things. Sew your heartache, sew your joy. Sow those jeans that you can't stand that have holes, and, you know, holes in it. Sow into the kingdom. Every time you put them on, Lord, I sow these jeans into the kingdom and I thank you for a new pair. See, sowing isn't just tangible. I would venture to say that most sowing and the most important seeds are those that are Intangible. Because whatever is intangible to us is tangible to God. He takes our sorrow. He takes our pain. He takes our sicknesses. He takes our diseases. He takes our misery. And guess what? He gives us beauty for ashes. So be a sower. Be a sower. And I'm not just talking about the tithe. The tithe is the first 10% of your income that goes to God. Sowing is completely different. Sowing is outside and beyond your tithe. You know, tithing is just automatic. First 10% automatically goes to God. It's like paying your taxes with, with every paycheck. It automatically should be taken out and go to God. That's your 10%. So the seed that you can sow I look at it this way, when you're broke, my goodness, you have the most seed to sow. Because you have the most to advance in life. Because when you're broke or sick, guess how God's going to bless you? He's going to make you rich and healthy. If you're already rich and healthy, that's great. You're in a great opportunity to be a blessing to others. See, that's the thing. When When you sow into the kingdom of God... You are investing, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. You are investing in yourself, but you're putting God first. Because when you're broke, you can't help anybody. But when you're rich and you're super blessed, you can help a whole lot of people. Because God provides all that for you. So if you're frustrated, hey, that's a great opportunity to sow that seed into the kingdom of God. There are many different types of seeds, folks. Just think about on on a farming level. Just think about there's corn seeds, okra. Um, Just think about all the different types of plants. You have perennials, non-perennials. I mean, you have all these different types of vegetables, uh, red bell peppers. Technically, it's just a pepper. And then depending on how long you leave it on the plant, that determines its color. But just think about how many different types of squash there are. How many different types of, let's see, I don't know how many different types of cucumbers there are, but just think about the variety of things that grow on this planet. Well, look, for example, palm trees. I had no idea there were so many different species of palm trees. I had no idea. You know, not every palm tree looks like a palm tree from Florida. So it's it's really unique How many different varieties of seeds are on this planet? And you know what? No two seeds are exactly the same. So it needs to say, don't throw away your seed. Just because you don't think it means a lot or, you know, God won't want to see this side of you or your life or your lifestyle or your misery. Think again. That's a seed to sow. And the more hell you've gone through in life, man, that's a whole lot of seed. Let me put it this way. The worst off your life is, that's actually really good for sowing seed. You know, it's kind of like, let's say, for example, we were in the, 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 the Old West, you know, like Tombstone or something. You know, like the wild, wild west. You know, like how back in the day in the 1900s and 1800s, way, way back in the day, if you wanted feed or seed, you had to go to like a feed store like kind of like your your general store back then it was like what would be called a grocery store but they didn't have refrigerators so everything was dry ingredients if you look back at like old photographs like black and white photographs of towns specifically towns near railroad tracks because that's where a lot of towns were founded because that's where they had transportation Almost every town had like a feed store or a seed store or a general store. And back in the day, these general stores they had generally everything that you could need. They had dresses for women, suits for men. They also sold ammo. They sold uh seed. They sowed or not so, but they sold cattle feed, things like that. Like they had all these different things, like even farming equipment. So needs to say, if you're going through a lot of hell or, or you've been through a lot, just think of it as that's a whole lot of seed just waiting for you to sow. And you just need to think of it as like your own personal general grocery store from the 1800s. And here's the thing. When you walk in it, you don't have to pay for anything because Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the price. And if God be for you, who dare be against you. So when you're walking into your general store of your life, basically, I'm using an analogy here, using some imagery. That entire store belongs to you because it's your life. It's your, it's your current situation. It's your past situations and it's your future situations. But here's the thing. The seed in there. It's predominantly about what's going on in the here and now and a whole bunch about the past. So you need to sow all of that seed to have a better future. You do not have to stay stuck where you are. You do not. You do not. So in the seed store and feed store and the general store of life. Like from the wild, wild west, sow your seed. Walk right in there. Do not be ashamed that everything in there is raw emotion. It's the hell you've been through. It's the pain. It's the heartache. It's the misery. That's what a lot of people don't understand about their pain and suffering is that you can use it as seed. You can use it as a future harvest. Don't throw away good seed because even bad seed is good because it's your life. It's your life. Sow it into the kingdom. Let's say for example You know, you have an ingrown toenail, and it's it's just super painful, it's infected, and you're sick of dealing with it. Well, just mentally, and in your heart, and in your mind, just say, Lord, I sow this ingrown, infected toenail into the kingdom. I thank you for healing me, and I thank you for a hundredfold return. That's a seed that you can sow. There is no situation that you can't sow into the kingdom, That's why these seeds, in my personal opinion, have way more value than just financial seeds. And again, should you sow? Yes. Financially, yes, you should. But if you don't have money to sow, you need to sow something else. You need to sow the intangible things. The things that bother you, the the things that anger you, the things that make you sad and that frustrate you. Those are seeds. Those are things that the enemy is using for bad. And the Lord will use for your good. Hence goods store. You go to the store to get goods. That's how you need to look at. And here's the thing. What I often do is I often Google like whatever I'm talking about. And I print off a picture. So what I would do. As I would download a photograph like from back in the day of like a feed store or a general store or a goods store from like the 1800s or early 1900s. I would download that picture, send it to Walgreens like in their app, like where you can like upload your pictures. Excuse me, I have the hiccups a little bit. Where you can upload your pictures and they can print them off. I print off funky stuff like that all the time. And I keep it as an image before me. Because not only is it a mental image, it's a physical, tangible image in front of me. Okay, what am I focusing on? I'm focusing on my future because my future is something that God gave me. It's a gift to me. And I dare not sacrifice it or throw it away. It's a treasure. So by all means... Google, like, a feed store or something from way, way back in the day. Print that picture off. Place it on your mirror in your bathroom. And just say, okay, I've got my own feed store. I've got my own goods store. It's full of a lot of junk in my life that I can't stand, so I'm going to start sowing seed every day. You know, what's interesting is on my phone, I have a notification. I think it's, like, at 8 o'clock at night where it says, sow seed. That is a reminder to me to go to my dining room table and write out what seed I'm sowing into the kingdom. And let me tell you something. So far, none of my seed that I have been sowing has been financial. It's been the heartache. It's been the tough stuff you know what? Whenever you sow into the kingdom, it's a release. It feels like the shackles and chains of time just drop off your body. So, folks, sow those seeds. You are a blessed person because we are the children of God. We are the children of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham and we worship the God of Abraham. We are the chosen ones. Why should we be miserable when when we can be blessed and happy? So I say go for it. Sow those seeds. If you have any questions, email me, message me, contact me, and I will do what I can to help you. I will pray for you, I will pray with you, whatever the case may be. But sow those seeds. Sow those seeds. Your seed is not a waste. It's an opportunity to do good in this world. And God wants good things to happen to you and for you all the days of your life, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your situations. God wants you to have a good life and a blessed life, an abundant life and a prosperous life. So go for it, folks. Go for it. I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.
1: From the smallest depths, waves transform the earth.